Well, it is my privilege to welcome one of my favorite teachers and preachers, Pete Wilmot, to the stage. Would you welcome him? Livespring Church. Good morning. First of all, let me tell you, I'm very impressed. Uh, Lifespring sent out that email that gave you every possible out for not being here. That's the way I read it. If you're feeling a little sick, well, I am a little tired. Uh, if you're over the age of 60, well, I talked to Jesse, but he didn't give me that out. So um, nice to see so many 59-year-olds here today. Uh, so, um, yeah. No, there's been a lot of confusion, a lot of uh, questions, a lot of... A lot of doubt. So, so I just wanted to start by, by lifting us up in prayer, lifting this time up in prayer. So will you join me in that? Father God, thank you. Uh, thank you for who you are, Lord. Thank you that you're way out in front of this virus, Lord, that you're way out in front of us, but that you're also here with us, surrounding us, protecting us, Father God. Uh, Lord, we just want to give you all the praise and all the glory this morning. And Lord, open up your word to us, Father God. Speak to us, Father God. Uh, you speak to each one of us individually, Lord. This is not a, a one-for-all message. This is a, an individual message that you want to speak to each one of us, Lord. So, so open our hearts, open our eyes, open our ears to what you have to say to each one of us. In your son's name, amen. Well, I was driving to work on Thursday morning, and if there's anything good about this virus, it's the fact that traffic is awesome going to Seattle. <laughs> Uh, yeah, oh yeah, it's awesome. Um, so, so I was driving to work, I was listening to the radio, and a, a, a story uh, came on the radio, and the first line got me. It was just a hook. And the first line was this. Every week, he sets himself up for disappointment. And I love a good opening line. And I said, you got me, I want to hear this story. And here's how the story went. Every week, he sets himself up for disappointment. Every week, Jamarian Stiles, age 13, goes to his local community center in Boca Raton, Florida, to play basketball. And every week, he is rejected. Jamarian said they start picking teams, and when they're all done, I'm the only one left out. And so they tell me, why don't you just go home? Jamarian says, that's the kind of thing that can break your heart. See, see, the reason he was never picked was obvious to everybody. Everybody but Jamarian. See, Jamarian, when he was a very, very young child, contracted a rare infection. And he lost both of his hands and most of his arms due to the infection. So one arm stops right about mid-bicep and the other one just below the elbow. But Jamarian didn't see why that should stop him from pursuing his dream of playing basketball. So that's why on the first day of school at Eagles Landing Middle School in Boca Raton, he walked right up to the basketball coach and he said, Coach, I want to play on the team this year. So the coach said, Great, come out for tryouts. But what the coach was really thinking, and maybe you are too, is how does a guy with no arms play basketball? That's what I was thinking. Like maybe they could throw him the ball and it could bounce and he could drop kick it into the basket. But then you can't kick the ball in basketball. Maybe he could bounce it off his head. I don't know. What's the answer to that? And what do you do? Because right now I've just made you the coach. What do you do? Where's your grace and your mercy 
and your hope for Jamarian. And how do you compare that to the justice and fairness for all those other kids who are trying out? Because you only got so many spots on your team. What do you do? What do we all do? Those are some of those unanswerable questions that we have in life. See, typically we try to like slot people into where we think they probably will fit best. Even the guy who interviewed Jamarian tried to do that. He said, hey, Jamarian, have you ever thought about soccer? I mean, you don't need arms or hands. Have you ever thought about that? And Jamarian laughed. He said, yeah, I hear that every day. He said, you would think I would be good at it. He said, but I'm not. I'm horrible. So what do you do? You're the coach. And what do you do when Jamarian, right before he walks away from you, says this, Coach, I've never been on a team before. Even if I don't get to play, I just want to be part of a team. What do you do to that? How do you answer that one? I don't know. That's what we're going to talk about today. All of those unanswerable questions that we all have, and we've all got them. How do you answer those questions? So we're in the book of Luke. Luke. Yeah, I didn't want you to forget. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Luke, yep. We're finishing up chapter 10, actually. Yeah, woo, yeah, yeah. There's 400 chapters in Luke, but don't worry, no, hang on there. We're good, we're good. We're in verse 38, and uh, this is what it says. Now it came to pass as they went that they entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. Sometimes when I read a verse or a passage, words jump out at me, specific words kind of jump out at me. And in this case, it was the word certain. Like, what does certain mean? So I looked it up in the Greek. And you know what certain means in Greek? Certain, yeah, it's a little weird. Yeah, yeah, what do you do with that one? So, so, but still, God's calling me. He's like, dig deeper into that. And I said, okay, what does the word certain mean then? Okay, so here's the definition for certain. It is... Known for sure, established beyond doubt. Okay, so this is what that verse looks like now in the PTV, the P-translated version. Okay, now it came to pass as they went that Jesus entered into a village that was known for sure and established beyond doubt to meet a woman, Martha, known for sure and established beyond doubt, and she welcomed him into her home. And this is what I got from that, and maybe you need to hear it too. Jesus never does anything without purpose or intent. Jesus doesn't just wander around and, oh, what a, well, look where I am. He, Jesus never does that. And then what about that for me? And if this speaks to you, what about you? Am I living my life with purpose and intent? Well, I'm just a young guy, Pete. Well, are you living it with purpose and intent? Well, I'm busy at work. Well, that's great. Are you living that? Are you doing that with purpose and intent? Well, I'm retired. Awesome. Are you doing that with purpose and intent? Jesus never does anything without purpose and intent. Here's what Paul says in Ephesians while he's in prison. This is what Paul writes. He says, in light of all this, this whole mess around me, here's what I want you to do. While I'm locked up in here, a prisoner for the master, I want you to get out there and walk. Better yet, run on the road God called you to travel. 
I don't want any of you sitting around on your hands. I don't want anyone strolling off down some path that goes nowhere. And mark that you do this with humility and discipline, not in fits and starts, but steadily pouring yourselves out for each other in acts of love, alert at noticing differences and quick at mending fences. In other words, walk in the manner worthy of what you were called. Paul goes on to say that we have one God and one faith and one baptism and that everything we do should be done with that in mind. And he also says that we've all been given different gifts. Let's use those gifts and live out life together on purpose for his purpose. Can we do that? So Jesus comes to this certain town, which we now know as Bethany. It's on the West Bank. It's about a mile or two from Jerusalem. It's on the southeast slope of the Mount of Olives. And it's in this town where the Feast of Simon is. And this is also where Jesus will raise Lazarus from the dead. In fact, the town is now named, I think we have it up there, El Asmarea. And if you replace the E-L with an L, you can see how we get pretty close to Lazarus. Yeah? You with me? Okay, all right. So Martha welcomes her him into her home, and don't let that slip by either, because this is Martha's home. Okay, it's her home. Hang on to that thought. We're going to come back to it later. Then we go to verse 39. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. And here we see at least one difference between Mary and Martha. In one version, we have this verse read like this. And she had a sister called Mary, who for her part sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. So Mary viewed her role or her part as listening to Jesus. Martha, we'll see later, was busy doing other stuff. Also note specific words here, which also sat at Jesus' feet. So people that were disciples of a teacher often sat at his feet and heard what he had to say. And we know Jesus is speaking because it says that she heard his word. So, am I truly a disciple of Jesus? Am I truly taking the time to sit at his feet and listen to his word? I had to ask myself that question. Maybe you have the same question for yourself. So last week we heard about the expert in the law. Remember that? The expert in the law came up and said, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus says, well, what does the law say? You tell me. And the expert, pulling from Deuteronomy and Leviticus, said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, you are correct. And then the expert said, well, who's my neighbor? And then Jesus told him the parable of the Samaritan. And and then the expert said, well, it's the one who showed mercy. And Jesus said, you have answered correctly. Go and do likewise. See, sometimes we're called to go. Sometimes we're called to wait. Sometimes we're called to listen. So when Jesus is silent, wait. When Jesus commands, go. But when he speaks, listen. Listen. Mary chose to listen just as David at troubling times chose to listen. And notice what happens when we listen. When we sit at the feet of Jesus to listen, we receive his love, his grace, and his redemption. This is what David wrote, and I won't read all of it, but he said, I'm waiting and watching till the morning comes 
I'm waiting and watching for God because with God's arrival comes love. With God's arrival comes generous redemption. No doubt about it. He'll redeem Israel. Buy back Israel from captivity and sin. He's talking about us. If we'll wait on him, he'll buy us back from sin. Verse 40. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she came to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Then tell her to help me. I love this verse. Do you notice anything here? I got a question for you, God. For you, I got a question for you, Jesus. Here's the answer. You ever done that? Lord, here's my problem. Here's the solution. Will you just go do it? Right? There's no space in there. You can almost see Jesus go as if he's going to have an answer for her, but she doesn't let him. But we can really break this down to, do you not care? God, don't you care? Then do something about it. You ever say that to God? I have. I know this pastor that wanted to go to Africa. He wanted to bring God's word to Africa to people that maybe have never heard it before. He wanted to support missionaries doing medical work in Africa where they need it. God, don't you care? Well, then do something about it. I have a friend at work that just got terrible news from the doctor. Terrible. Single mom. Two kids. Dad is nowhere in the picture. She sends us an email with an update. People respond to the email. Reply all, right? And you know what they said. Thinking good thoughts. My thoughts and prayers are with you. Sending you good vibes. And I was going to reply, and I thought, no, i got to go see her in person. So, so I found her. And I said, I know a lot of people say they're praying for you. I just want you to know, I really am. And I believe God's going to heal you. And I believe that the doctor's going to be amazed. And I, and I believe that, that you're going to just be blown away by what God can do for you. And she said, thanks, I really appreciate that. But come on, God, don't you care? Do something about it. What about Jamarian? Guy's got no arms. Wants to be part of some part of a team. He wants to be part of something bigger than himself. Just wants to play basketball. Don't you care? Well, then do something about it. And and couldn't I go around this room? Because I know some of you that I can, and some of me I don't know what's going on. But couldn't we sit down and say the same thing? Come on, God, don't you care? Then do something about it. Because you can. Aren't you the great physician? I don't know. Anybody got any answers? Because I sure don't. One of the little red books in the Bible is uh, the prophet Habakkuk. And maybe I'm saying that wrong, but that's okay. You won't care. <laughs> but, but a lot of prophets, they will hear from God, and then he'll, they'll go to the people, and they'll speak what God said. But Habakkuk took the people's questions to God. 
That's a great read if you want to read a story about questioning God and asking God. Look at that short book. Easy to read. Shorter than Luke, by the way. Just the <laughs> This, this is what he says. He says, wherever I look, I see oppression and bribery and men who love to argue and fight. The law is not enforced. There's no justice given in the courts. For the wicked far outnumber the righteous and bribes and trickery prevail. Will you, God, who cannot allow sin in any form, stand idly by while the evil swallow us up? Don't you care, God? Then do something about it. Isn't that what he's saying? Isn't that what we're all saying? But if I read a little closer, I break it down now this way. This is how this verse reads this way for Martha. This is what I think she's really saying. And I think it's what we're saying. Don't you care, God? I know you do. And that's why I come to you. That's why I cry out to you. That's why I need you to help me. Isn't that what Martha's really saying? And isn't that what we say in our moments of questions and doubt and frustration? We want answers, so we come to the God because we do know that he cares. See, God created us with minds that can reason. And he said to us, let's do that together. This is what it says in, in Isaiah chapter 1. Come, let's talk this over, says the Lord, no matter how deep the stain of your sins. I love that. You know what that's saying? I don't care where you are in your life. I don't care how much you messed up. I don't care how much you failed. I don't care about any of that stuff. Come to me and let's talk it over. Because I don't care. I only care about you. That's what God's saying. We should have questions for God. And we should question God. And we should seek his word. And we should try to find out what he's saying. But we should always do that in a way that honors God. God's bigger and more powerful than we can possibly imagine. He created everything. This is what it says in Colossians. Christ himself is the creator who made everything in heaven and in earth, the things we see and the things we can't. He made everything. He sees everything and he knows everything and he can do anything. Here's Isaiah 55. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours and my thoughts than yours. Hebrews, he knows about everyone, everywhere. Everything about us is bare and wide open to the all-seeing eye of our living God. And Ephesians, now glory be to God, who by his mighty power at work within us is able to do far more than we could ever dare or ask or even dream of. Infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, or hopes. And if that last verse doesn't look familiar to you, you haven't been coming to church enough because we read it every week. And he's always been this way. Here's from Psalms, Lord, throughout all the generations, you have been our home. Before the mountains were created, before the earth was formed, you are God without beginning or end. And he cares about you and he loves you no matter what, even to the point of laying his life down for you. Not one sparrow. What do they cost? a penny or two, can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't worry, you are more valuable to him than many sparrows. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that anyone who believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. 
Revelations, look, I'm standing at the door and knocking, and I'm constantly knocking. If anyone hears me calling and opens the door, I'll come in and fellowship with him and he with me. And Second Thessalonians, but the Lord is faithful. He will make you strong and guard you from satanic attacks of every kind. We should believe all that, but do we? Most of us, if we're honest, would say, yeah, we believe it, but eh, there's a little unbelief too. That's okay. God can handle it. But seek him. Seek him and reconcile with him. How we see him, what we believe about him, affects everything we do. So what about Martha? She's still upset, right? Why is she upset? Well, what do we know about Martha? Well, Martha's a multitasker. We know that, right? Martha has a get-her-done personality, right? When Lazarus died and she heard Jesus was coming, it was Martha that ran out of the house and met Jesus. Mary stayed at home. Martha was a get-her-done-er. Martha takes charge. It was Martha's, Martha's house, right? Remember that? Verse 38, and Martha welcomes Jesus into her home. Well, what does welcome mean in the Greek? It means to receive someone as their personal responsibility under their personal care, to see to the needs of that person. Martha speaks her mind. Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. To whatever degree she said that, she might have said that with the utmost reverence, or she might have said it so angrily, we don't know. But whatever it was, she said it, she speaks her mind. Martha acts and speaks first and thinks about it later. Anybody else guilty? Martha is a people pleaser, right? Martha is performance-based. Look at all I'm doing. Look at it. Don't you care? Come on, if I do well, Jesus will love me. If I do really good, people will like me. She's performance-based. Martha tries. Oh, you don't like what I did, but look how hard I worked. I worked eight hours on this. She's a trier, right? Martha's competitive. Look at my sister. Look at me. Right? Right? Come on. Aren't I doing better? Come on. Martha expects the best from you. How come my sister's just sitting there? She should be up helping me. Right? Do we all know Martha? Please don't elbow anybody. Right? Do we all know Martha? Right? Here's Martha. Okay, this is my whole summation here. See how close I am? Martha's the kind of person that will walk into the living room while you're trying to enjoy Japanese professional wrestling, like we all do. She'll pick up the glass of water on the table, wipe the bottom of the glass, wipe the table, grab a coaster, set it down, put the glass on it, and give you the look. Is that Martha? That's Martha, right? And if you think I'm picking on Martha, I'm not. You think I'm picking on women, I'm not. I'm a Martha in so many ways. I can totally relate to this. Now, is all of this stuff bad? No, it's actually good. These are good characteristics. Competitive, get it done, speak your mind. These are all good. But when it comes to your identity, it's not your identity. It's just part of who you are. Your identity is in Christ. Your identity is who God says you are. Can I give you an example of that? Mentally walk over this way with me. Hey, Kent, 
How are you? He's holy. Hmm. Are you holy? Uh, I see you. Tough one. Ken's holy. Isn't that what God tells us to be? Didn't God say, be holy as I am holy? Oh, are you a child of God? Can you say yes to that? Ah, okay. Are you saved? Can you say yes to that? Mm, Okay, that's easy. Okay. Are you forgiven? Ah. Do you lack nothing? Mm. Oh, see? Are you holy? Mm, Right. Aren't you who God says you are? Can we stand in front of the mirror and speak who we are? Can we not do that? We can do some of it, right? But other stuff we really don't quite fully believe. So I don't know if I can say I'm holy, God, because I screw up a lot. God didn't base any of that on my talents, abilities, performance, or any of that. He just said be holy, just as I am holy. He says I lack nothing. But my bank account, no, no, no. God says you lack nothing. Why can't you look in the mirror and speak that about yourself? Speak God's truth into yourself. It all doesn't come from up here. It all doesn't come from God's word. You have to bring it from yourself too. You have to sell yourself on the truth. Be holy. Just as I am holy. That's what he says. Martha, you're not all busy, busy, busy. So what does Jesus say to Martha? Maybe he says it to you too, because he sure says it to me. And Jesus answered and said, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. Martha, Martha. And feel free to put your name in there, because he's talking to you and me. You worry, you panic, you concern yourself about so much, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen to do the right thing, and I won't take that away from her. Mary chose the good part, or in some translations, the better way. And we could spend weeks on that. That could be your new theme, the better way. And we could talk about the better way in marriages, the better way in relationships, the better way at work, the better way in health. We could do weeks and weeks and weeks on this. We won't, because sometime soon, hopefully, hopefully in my lifetime, we actually want to finish Luke. (laughs) But, But we could. But do you know how all of those messages would end? They would end at the feet of Jesus. So whatever your issue is, whatever your better way that you're looking for, it all ends at the feet of Jesus. So can we do that today? Can we spend some time at the feet of Jesus? I mean intentionally, and I mean on purpose. Not when you have time. Set some time aside. Let's spend some time intentionally on purpose. Let's do it together. If you need it today, we'll be up here. Yeah, we'll pray for you. We'll break the six-foot rule. 
It's okay. God's with us. Let's join in prayer after service. Please don't leave here today without getting prayer if you need it. Okay, so what about Jamarian? Remember him? Let me call the worship team back up as I close with this. Well, in this case, we know the end of this story, so it's great. He did try out for the team. He did make the team. Do we have a picture of it? There he is. There he goes, right in the middle. He did make the team. The coach said he was usually the first one in the gym and the last one to leave. Still, he sat on the game, sat on the bench for most of the games. Game after game after game, he sat on the bench. Until one game, six minutes ago, the coach puts him in. Wasn't too long before he got the ball on the far side of the court. Everyone yelled, shoot it, shoot it. And he puts it up. Nothing but net, three points. Please go Google it. I've been watching it a few times. I still can't figure out how he does it. Three-pointer from the corner. And then at the end of the game, right before the buzzer, he gets the ball again. He puts it up. Nothing but net for the win. Everybody rushes down. Everybody clears the bench. Jamarian Stiles, the kid who no one would pick, now is everybody's hero. Needless to say, now Jamarian plays at the community center all he wants. Later that year, he made the volleyball team. This year, he's going out for football. The only thing Jamarian won't play, said the article, was the victim. But God, what about his arms? Don't you care? Then do something about it. So the reporter asked him, Hey, Jamarian, if I could wave a magic wand and give you arms all of a sudden, would you want me to do that? And Jamarian said, I don't need them. And the last line of the story was as good as the first. It says, who needs arms when you have that kind of touch? We may not have the answers to all of our questions, but we do have Jesus. And if you need him today, if you need his touch, he's here. He's here to touch you and give you grace. He's here to touch you and give you mercy. And if you have questions that go unanswered, and we all will, he's here to touch you and give you peace. Let's seek him together. I'd love to pray with you after service. There will be other people up here who will pray with you also. Please don't leave here without getting a touch from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Will you stand as we continue to worship our Lord and Savior?